the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. And that means it's someone's birthday. It's actually two people's birthdays, but for this show, Sambolino, I hope you got the theme song ready. Happy birthday, Joni Pelzer. She is the woman who makes it all happen here behind the scenes on the Arthur Idala Power Hour, and we do want to wish her a very, very happy 29th birthday. And it is also my dad's birthday. Now, he's not 29. Louis Ralph Joseph Idala is uh, 84 years young today. Uh, mentally, he's very young. Eh, physically, we could be doing a little bit better. But uh, we're hopping along. We're getting there. Hopefully, uh, my parents are in a car and from Brooklyn to Manhattan, along with my sister, Lori May Idala. I almost said Bertuna. Bambina. And my brother-in-law, Carl Bambina, the ballerina. Um, it's not really a ballerina, but we know each other since grammar school. And when we teased him, you know, I was Bucky Beaver and he was Carl Bambina, the ballerina. I can't say the rest of the song because it gets a little inappropriate for radio. Um, and so it's their 25th wedding anniversary today. Um I would say it feels like yesterday, but it doesn't feel like yesterday. Although it's interesting things that come into your mind. The one thing that, that, that I remember, there's a lot of things I remember specifically from that day. But one of them was we had, we took photographs at my parents' house. I, I, I guess it was before the church. Um, and she got married at Regina Pachi's where my parents got married in 1964. And where my grandparents, my mother's parents... I believe got married, whatever, 30 years, 40 years, yeah, something like that, 35 years before that. Um, but my father's father, who I'm named after, and little Arthur III is named after, uh, he was, I don't know, 90? Was he 90? No, he was like uh, 88, maybe. And I, one of the things I remember is we, we had this champagne toast at the house, and it was, I guess it was a little bit of a warm day. My parents' house don't have any, it doesn't have any air conditioning. We'll talk about that another time. We can do a whole show on that. Uh, well, I can talk about that right now for a second. But anyway, on that day, 25 years ago, uh, we had a champagne toast. And maybe, you know, we had two or three champagne toasts. And I remember my grandpa 
it, it went to his head. And it was like a, it was a little bit of a sad moment because I don't believe he actually came to the church. But then uh, he rallied and he came to uh, the actual reception, which was incredible. It was at the Crest Hollow Country Club out in Long Island. Uh, and we literally partied until the wee hours of the morning. Um, and since I, I will take a, a personal moment to talk about my dad, it was 84 years old today. Um, yeah, he's, I mean, you know, people are like, oh, my dad's my best friend. Look, my dad is not my best friend. My dad's my best father. Um, there are a lot of things I did with my best friend, like with Glenn or with Josh or with Crazy Joe, that I would never think of doing with my father. If I did it with my father, he'd kill me before I did it. I mean, all sorts of stupid stuff. Jumping on the train tracks, riding between cars, whatever. Other things I'm not going to talk about on the radio. But in terms of being a dad, he has been spectacular. And um, and look, nobody's perfect. I mean, there's a couple of things I, I disagreed with. But every time you hit me with the belt, I will say I definitely deserved it. Um, every time, um, you know, he kind of came down on me. There's very, very few times where I was disciplined that it wasn't well-deserved. And I thank the good Lord that he did. Because, look, I represent, and we're going to talk about one of the cases I handled momentarily, but... I represent a lot of young people who get in trouble. And I say young people, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And when I think back now at the age of 54, I'm 30, 30 years, my father's junior. When I think back, you know, like, why didn't I get all jammed up back in the day? And there's really two reasons that oh, you guys all know about. Uh, one of them, obviously, is my father. I didn't have a big fear of the police and law enforcement. I had a big fear of my father. So when kids were going to do really bad stuff, like maybe stealing a car or like breaking into a garage or something, like that's when I was like, no, 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 no. If my dad catches me doing this, this is not going to be a pleasant situation. And that's the nicest way I could put it. So that was one of the reasons why I didn't get into trouble as a teen. And the other reason was I was so heavily into the band Rapid Pulse that I didn't have time to really get in trouble because I would... Uh, when I was in school, I would finish school and either I was in the play, uh, whether it was uh, The Music Man, Oklahoma, West Side Story, The, the, the Importance of Being Earnest, uh, 12 Angry Men. And then that would end at 6 o'clock. And then I would go to band practice at least two or three days a week. And then usually on Saturday at Chris Boyle's house in Bay Ridge. And I'd be there until like 8 o'clock at night. Then I'd come home and eat something and pretend that I did homework. And that, that part wasn't my strong suit. Um, so... Number one, I want to thank my father and the guys in the band. But today is my dad's day for, for keeping me out of trouble um, and for, you know, pushing me and motivating me when, it, when it's needed. And, you know, it's a struggle being a dad because especially now that I am a dad for, for 15 years, thank, almost 16, thanks to Luca um, and now Arthur and, and Ariana, you know, there's that balance between um, – being a friend, right? You want to be friendly with your kids. You want your kids to like you, but laying down the law and being disciplined and or giving discipline. Uh, and I think my dad over the years has struck a pretty good balance. He is not the typical guy. I'll, I'll give you three quick, three quick examples. My father has never lived in a home to this day that has any form of air conditioning in it. Now, I want everyone who's listening right now, you tell me if you know anyone who is 84 years old and has never lived in a home with any air conditioning in it, number one. Number two, 
my father has never possessed any sort of cellular phone or beeper or anything like that. I remember one year when I first got out into private practice on my own. I left the DA's office. I ran for city council, lost by 108 votes, hung out my own shingle. And I got that Christmas of 97, 25 years ago, I got my dad a beeper. Just a beeper. I was like, look, dad, like if I need you for a legal question... Like he, he thank you. He's very gracious. He kissed me and then he handed it to my sister. He goes, "Here, Lori, you got a beeper now." So he had no. So that's two things now: no AC, no cell, no beeper. And the third thing, and this goes to I think growing up in a depression, he never had any money. Uh, you know, growing up as a kid, uh, being born in 1938, he. I, he may have had one bicycle before this week when he was a kid, but my understanding, as legend has it, and I could verify it when we go to dinner tonight at the Lambs Club on 44th Street, um, where after he and my mom got married in 1964, I guess there was a little bit of wedding money, thanks to Frank Piazza, who paid for this big wedding in, in, in Bensonhurst. I think there were 400 people there, and I heard about filet mignon and lobster tails and all kinds of stuff which was unheard of back in the day. I think he took some money and he bought a 10-speed bicycle called a Frejus, F-R-E-J-U-S, which I believe is the name of a town in northern Italy. And he still has the bike. So he got married at, uh, I believe it was 26. He's 84. All he got to do is put some air in the tires and you could ride his bicycle. I don't think that's very typical. Like, Lucas had three bikes and he's 15. Arthur's had two bikes and he's, you know, um, but that's my dad, the birthday boy today. He's a special guy. He still has uh, a brain that is, um, it's on overtime. Uh, I was lucky enough the last case that I tried because of the COVID situation, it was broadcast over the internet. If you had the link and he watched and uh, on Memorial Day, he sat me down with a yellow pad and he criticized the heck out of me all appropriately with love in his heart. And I walked around too much and I should have moved for a mistrial here and I should have objected there. Um, so I sometimes I feel like um, I've been cheating in through life because having a man like Lou Idala behind you as your father is such an advantage uh, that it's, it's almost an unfair advantage. So whatever little success that I've had, uh, I attribute it to my father. And of course, behind every man, great man, is Chick, Rita, Marianne, Veronica, Chicky, my mother. So that was a little bit, I didn't expect to do this. I wanted to talk to you about the case I had on today, which I will tell you had a happy ending. But... um we have a great guest coming on the show right after this. You know, Justice Thomas, uh, Clarence Thomas is all over the news. And Mark Paoletta, who was uh, an attorney in George H.W. Bush's White House, he worked on Justice Clarence Thomas's court confirmation. So we're going to dig a little deep into SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States of America, in particular Clarence Thomas and these decisions that just came down and how Clarence Thomas is front and center. So don't go anywhere. Happy birthday, Joan. Happy birthday, Padre. Juju, we love you. Be right back.
Oh, l'amour. That's me. That love, love. It's like a French theme. That was Juliana's party. It was a big French theme. An unbelievable Sweet 16 that everyone's still riding high from on Sunday night in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn at the Diker Golf Course, which was great. I guess it's technically it's Diker, Brooklyn. They were a block apart. Um, but speaking of Bay Ridge, tomorrow is Wednesday, June the 29th. And in Bay Ridge at the Greenhouse Cafe at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m., our very own Mike Connors of Connors and Sullivan will be conducting a free legal seminar regarding wills, trusts, power of attorneys, healthcare, proxies, healthcare proxies, living wills, and estate plans. And then he's going to do it again on Thursday, June the 30th, at the Adria Hotel in Bayside, Queens, at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Now, if you can't get to the Greenhouse tomorrow or the Adria Hotel in Bayside on Thursday... You can still pick Mike Connors' brain, calling Connors and Sullivan at 718-238-6500, and you'll get your free, a free in-office appointment. That's 718-238-6500. We all know that planning for the future is important and that you and your family need to be protected. So there's no one I know better to protect you than Mike Connors at Connors and Sullivan. The time to plan is now. So call 718-238-6500. And remember, folks, as Mike Connors always says, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. Let me tell you something. This is no lie. And I saw your advertisement, and I dialed that number that came on, and I cannot believe this, because I'm a skeptic, number one, I'm holistic, number two, I'm a hospice nurse, number three. I want to tell you how wonderful it is that things I can do now that I couldn't do before. My daughter came up to see me from another state, and she said, Mom, what are you what happened? I said, I took those vitamins that you're advertising on TV all the time. And she said, I can't believe what you're doing. So I just love your product. I just think it's absolutely sensational. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code MikeG. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Now in stock in all trim levels and all with a flex Flexibility of third row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. Yeah, he, yeah, he, this coat is now in session. His honor, Judge Pigmeat Mark and Poseidon.
you gotta tell me where this is from. <laughs> this is actually considered the first rap song. Okay. Go ahead, give me a little more. 1968. This is Pygmy Markham. Only here on the Idola Power with Sam Bellino behind the turntables. That's where to keep the vodka and the mixes. Well, speaking of the judge, uh, I have a, a, a man who I believe uh, is uh, a pretty knowledgeable guy about how things work in the White House. There's so many topics I want to talk to him about, especially some of the stuff that came out today in these hearings regarding January 6th, but I'm going to stay on topic right now. Um, Mark Paoletta. Did I do that correctly, Mark? Yeah, Arthur. Yeah, absolutely. How are you? I'm good. Um, now, does Paoletta have some sort of Italian ancestry, or is that just a bad guess on my part? It does. I'm from Castle Franco in Moscano, uh, near Benevento in uh, southern uh, Italy, kind of due east of Naples. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there a couple times, have family there, and uh, it's a great, great, great country. Well, as a Sicilian, I won't hold it against you, Mark, but thank you, thank you, for, <laughs> fi- thank you for finding the time to, uh, to come and jump on the air with us. Um, yeah. So you served in the White House as assistant counsel to President George H.W. Bush. Is that correct? I did. Yes, sir. Yeah. Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with a very, very simple question that I'm pretty sure I know the answer to, having read so much. Was President George Bush as wonderful and decent a gentleman as everyone paints him out to be? Yes. Absolutely a gentleman. Uh, really a good guy. I was young. You know, I was 26 years old when I first went in the White House. And um, I'll get a quick story because it relates to Clarence Thomas. I was in the, uh, an intern in, uh, in Washington, D.C. in 1983. And my uncle was, the, get this, the Republican mayor of Bridgeport, Connecticut, right? And uh, conservative. And uh, George Bush was going to go up and campaign for him uh, for his reelect when he was vice president. So I got, somehow he got in touch with me through a mutual connection and invited me to fly up on Air Force Two. When we were landing in New Haven, and, you know, the typical thing is, you know, the vice president kind of goes off the front of the plane and the rest of the staff and everybody goes off the back of the plane. He, like, uh, I was getting ready to go and, he sent somebody back to say, hey, walk off the front of the plane with me. Wow. Uh, surprise your uncle. And uh, there I am coming down here with my uh, with, with George Bush and my uncle, who's this tough Italian, is looking at me like, how did this guy get on this plane? Because he didn't know I was coming up. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, but that's George Bush, just a, just a, just a, just a, I, just I, a wonderful guy. I read a book recently about the White House staff through the years, and um, they said they were never as devastated – uh, as the day and then you know they, they people from the nixon administration right on through they said they were never as devastated as the morning of january 20th when george hw bush and barbara were leaving and the clintons were coming mm. in they said there was not a dry yeah. eye in the white house they were really they were like his they, people the staff were his, hysterically crying uh saying goodbye to that bush family because of how they were treated you know, I, I found I was uh, my wife's from Chicago. I was out in Christmas uh, the, one of the years I was working for him, and I found a book from Yale. Of, I think it was like the Skull and Bones from back in like when his father was there, uh, Prescott Bush, uh, from whenever that was, maybe 1917, I think it was. And um, I sent it into the president. I, I have this note frame from him here. Chase passed along that marvelous old book with my dad's signed uh, picture. I will treasure it. Many thanks, George Bush. But you know, as a young age sent this book in, I get something back. 
um, you know, just a just a really really good man. Really yeah, good and he man. was no he was known he was known for his notes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I, I I I'm never going to say I'm jealous or any envious, but boy, I wish I was 26 years old <laughs> working in the White House. I was working in the Brooklyn DA's office prosecuting pretty heavy cases. I wasn't well, exactly bored, but being in the White House is a yeah. whole nother level. That's that's heavy. Well, that's heavy duty stuff too. And you know, the, the best part is, is uh, I, I got to work on just. In fact. My first month in the White House, or my uh, March of uh, 1989, I, I, I placed a phone call to Justice Thomas, or Clarence Thomas, the EEOC chairman, to ask him to send me all of his materials um, so we could review it uh, to vet him for uh, an, a, a, an appointment, which turned out to be the D.C. Circuit. But that's how I met uh, Clarence Thomas was in 1989. So, uh, you, so you were involved uh, first when he went on the D.C. Circuit, and then were you also involved when he was, was uh, being vetted for the Supreme Court? Yep, I, I did uh, did both. I was probably one of his closest aides, if not closest aides, as a White House lawyer, working on his confirmation every single day with Justice Thomas. Uh, and when the news broke on the immediate Hill stuff, I was the only person over his house. Um, and we've been friends ever since. It, you know, um, went through that terrible ordeal. I got cancer after that. He came over to my house every day or called me. I was going through chemo. Wow. Uh, and today we take vacations together. We um, he has Christmas dinner over my house with my family. We have Thanksgiving wow, wow, dinner wow. over his house. So he's just a wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, so Mark, let me just let me just interrupt you real quick, just to give you a tiny yeah. little bit of background. Um, yeah. So it was the summer of 1991, correct? When um, yeah. Justice yeah. Thomas, yeah, Ju- okay. July of July 1st, 1991, he was nominated. Yeah, right. So I was in the hills of Tuscany. Um, uh, I didn't, I had applied to get, I, I was in, I had just finished my second year of law school and I had applied to a couple of firms. I had gotten turned down. Um, I had the year before I had interned in the Manhattan DA's office, which was a very successful summer. Um, but I didn't know what to do that particular summer because wherever I wanted to go, they didn't want me. I wanted them. They didn't want me. And I found a program in Siena, Italy where the uh, guest lecturer was Justice Antonin Scalia. And, uh, yep. And, uh, uncle Nino and I got along very, very well, right from the beginning. I cooked dinner for him and his wife and his two aunts. And oh I will tell God. you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very, very close with them. And, but here's the, here's how it ties into justice Thomas. Obviously Scalia and Thomas knew each other before justice Thomas got on the court. And I think I learned some curse words from justice Scalia that were, uh, directed towards the media, about how they would teach, uh, how they were treating his friend Clarence. I mean, he was, we were. I, I, I can remember specifically being outside the classroom. He was just as clean, was smoking a cigarette. He was sneaking a cigarette, and back then people won't re- remember this, but we were getting our news from the International Herald Tribune. I mean, that was like how yeah, you would, right. you know, there was yeah. no internet, there was nothing, and Scalia was, was really, yeah, right. It was a conglomerate. He was so upset about what they were doing with Clarence. And uh, I've been lucky enough to spend time with Justice Thomas through Justice Scalia and now a little bit through Justice Alito. And I can tell you that, you know, and I'm going to let you have the rest of the segment, but, you know, people who look at Justice Thomas, oh, he didn't talk on the bench for 10 years. And, uh, you know, he's this mean guy writing these bad decisions. When you're with him, he's like a gregarious, joke-telling, back-slapping, laughing, boisterous uh, kind of character who's a lot of fun to be around. 1,000. You get it, Arthur. You've been around, so you know, so I don't have to describe it to you. It's utterly 
just engaging and he takes an interest in you. I'm sure he asked you a million questions and took an interest in kind of what you were saying. And, and that's what he does. And he's fun. He said, it's got the laughter, but he's always just engaging. And, um, that's, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm glad you've gotten some time to spend with him because he's a wonderful guy. Again, the media has made this complete myth of him. And as he says, the media in, in, in my book, um, you know, the media needs to kind of, character you, you know, make you less than human so that they can destroy you. And that's what they've been doing to, to Justice Thomas for 30 years and um, 40 years, really, before he went on the bench. But, um, yeah. So, he, gonna, um, Mark, know, I want you to talk about the book a little bit. But, uh, you know, if you yeah. look at Scalia and you look at Thomas, you know, they tried yeah. very hard to do the same thing with Scalia. But the reason why... Th- Scalia made it more difficult to them, and I'd love to hear your answer on this, was was because of Scalia's antics on the bench. Uh, the year before he died, the last full term uh, on the court, I think he had some ridiculous number, like 82% of the laugh lines, like when they uh, interpret when it goes on, like 82% were things that Scalia said. So he was up there as this, you know, mean, nasty, conservative, right wing, blah, blah, blah. But he was the one always making everyone laugh. So it was hard to make him yeah. into the villain. Whereas Justice yeah. Thomas, you know, played it much closer to the vest and he didn't he didn't speak much. I know the answer to the question why he didn't speak, but I'll allow you to uh, talk about it. Well, two things. I love Justice Scalia. His son is actually the pastor at my church, uh, Paul Scalia. So I'm really close with Paul. Um Great family. Uh, obviously, worked with Gene Scalia and the administration. But look, I think look, uh, Justice Thomas is a completely different world in terms of he's a black conservative that the left hated and wanted to destroy, utterly destroy. So yeah, they go after Justice Scalia. Yeah, they you know uh, you know kind of rip into him in terms of this or that. But there's nothing like Arthur, nothing like what Justice Thomas has faced where it's been the most racist attacks, right? Here's this incredibly well-qualified guy, Yale Law School, done well his whole life, and somehow he becomes um, dumb, who, who, who has to rely on Justice Scalia, who can't write an opinion because, you know, because, because he's not qualified. And that's what the left does. That's what the corporate media does, is to attack this guy mercilessly. So to, to me, it's just different. And in fact, Justice Thomas talks about that in the book and how uh, Justice Scalia was really upset about it. And he said, you know, Clarence, they're, they're saying this uh, uh, about you. I, I, you know, this is outrageous. And Clarence was like, don't worry about it. I got this. And, and he went on. So it's something I, I understand what you're saying in terms of the split. And he was a, a guy on the bench and all that stuff. But Justice Thomas, they've just worked everything about him, uh, you know, nonstop. And now, of course, all of his opinions. And you saw, I mean, you know, I've, I've been following Justice Thomas, writing on Justice Thomas for many years. Jan Crawford came out with a great book, right, called Supreme Conflict about the, the Roberts Court, where right. she came up, she got, you know, Justice Blackman's uh, private papers, uh, who he kept notes, I don't know, well, he, he got the papers from the conference and showed how from the very first moment you know, Thomas entered the court, literally right after he was confirmed, he switched Scalia and Rehnquist's vote to him uh, on, on a case out of Louisiana, um, and so he's been a force since then. But again, the left has d- tried to denigrate him time and time again. I can talk to you about the questions. The question part, if we have time in this segment, is, you know, Justice Thomas always thought a lot of the justices were doing gotcha. They weren't really looking to elicit information from the litigant. They just wanted to kind of show off, you know, show their kind of views on the case, maybe spar with another justice, and they would do it through the questions they're asking the litigant. Right. He took, so Thomas he, says, 
Go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Finish it. <laughs> and, Thomas, and Thomas basically said, you know, th- th- that's useless. You're being rude. Uh, the litigant right. should get to make his argument. And, you know, and he uses Yeah, he actually had a more – he actually had like a yeah. more noble uh, view of it. Uh, he uh, – I, I remember, I believe – because Mark, you could you can relate to this. You know, after the oral arguments, I would often go into Justice Scalia's chambers where lunch would be set up, and it would just be <laughs> the two of us. Just you know, he, sometimes yeah. we had Chinese food or whatever, and <laughs> um, and I, I I remember we spoke about it, and he said he goes, I don't know why Clarence does this to himself. He should ask just you know, Scalia would curse a little bit, so I'm not going to do that part. But he's like, ask one blank in question. He goes, and it would just you know, it would just make this whole thing that he hasn't spoken and. And he told me, but I have also heard Justice Thomas' lecture, and he's like, I, I don't think uh, it's fair, number one, to these lawyers who are preparing yep. for years for a 30-minute yep. argument uh, to take up their time. And he goes, I, I don't really think it means much. But I will tell you this, and Marcus, you could relate to this. The very last time I was alone with Justice Scalia, um, uh, it was a couple of months before his death, um, we I watched an argument, and we went into uh, I went into chambers. And he's like, "Oh, come on, Arturo, I'm hungry. Let's go." And we jumped into the back of the SUV downstairs, uh, and we went to Tosca, the restaurant, as you I'm sure you know in Washington. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. as we're getting out, he I mean, he was clearly in a good mood, and he said, "I'm in a celebratory mood." And I was like, "Okay, I go, what are we celebrating there, Uncle Nino?" And he's like, "That last case." He goes, "I didn't know which way I was going to go." He's like, "But after oral argument, now I know." So, I mean, there is value in the oral argument, but I think Justice Thomas is right that it's almost like Scalia wants Sotomayor to know what he's thinking before they even go into conference by the questions and the back and forth that they're asking during the oral arguments. A couple things here. One is, I think that Justice, two things. As you know, since COVID, right, and they went virtual, the chief instituted a a, a process where they let the lawyer make their, their, their argument. Uh, for a set time, and then they recognize each justice by seniority. And literally since that time, now even since they returned to the court, Justice Thomas has asked a question every single oral argument without fail, several questions in, in each. Why? Because it's more orderly. It's not like jumping in and all that stuff. Right. So he does ask questions. So that issue is kind of gone. The second thing is, I'd say, you know, Justice Thomas thought it was this, whatever, you know, uh, gotcha game and wasn't interested in it. And, you know, the whole thing about Clarence Thomas's life when you read this book and all that is he is so fiercely independent that he, if you try and tell Clarence Thomas what to do, if you tell him to take a left, he, he's not taking a left. You know what I mean? Um, well, so that's I pretty think part of this was that the, the more the media pounded on him for this thing, he was like, <laughs> you know, you think you're going to make me bend to do this? It almost, you know, I think he, he took it as a point of pride that this is what I believe, this is what I'm doing, I don't care. And you know what? Like I said, at the end of the day, Aren't they right? Justice Thomas writes the most opinions per year of any justice, period, full stop, right? He writes in the 30s. Justice Kagan writes in the 10, a 10 a year, right? Roberts writes 12 a year. Sotomayor, I think, writes 18 or 22. Justice Thomas well, is well, some, some, Hold on now. Some of that has to do with his seniority. And, you know, if he's in the majority and the chief justice is not in the majority, like I'm, a, I'm assuming the, uh, the yeah. Bruin decision, the gun case, he assigned that to himself. 
Oh, well, no, no, the chief judge. No, the, yeah, chief justice in there. Yep, yeah, yeah. What, what, but most of Justice Thomas's opinions over the years, because of the makeup of the court, have been concurrences, have been dissents, right? He's just taken the time to lay out his, his view of the Constitution based on, you know, the, the being faithful in my view to the Constitution. So he laid down all these markers, right, that now have become majority opinions, even if he's not writing it. Like, he's the one who assigned Alito. The, the Dobbs case. Right? Yes, I believe me. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Just Mark to give people a little behind the scenes. I'm sure Justice Alito and Justice Thomas, who are very close, had a little conversation about that before Justice Alito was going to take all that incoming fire that obviously he has received. Because uh, that's yeah, a, but, you know, but again, but the, but the justice who's written the most on overturning Roe v. Wade, who has just kind of just whatever written how terrible it is as as, as precedent with Justice Thomas, right? He dissented in 92. So he's been there, right? This Alito went on there in 2005. So the guy who's written the most on overturning Roe v. Wade could have kept that for himself, but he didn't. He gave it to Sam Alito. All I'm saying is, you know, in terms of being a workhorse, which is at the end of the day, what, what, what justices are supposed to do is write opinions, right? And, and, and tell, you know, you know write opinion, rule, vote, and write opinions. Justice Thomas has been, again, Scalia wrote about the same number. I did a lot of it in the footnotes in my book. I actually go through all the justices and how many opinions per year they've averaged. And again, remember, this is with a court that only takes like 80 cases a year, right? When Brennan was writing, because she's, I think, written like the most opinions in history. Somewhere. 130, 150. That's exactly right. So, right. Um, so a lesser number. But um, in any event, it's wonderful to see Justice Thomas with all of these, right? The gun case, he's the guy who first piped up in 1997 in a concurrence on Prince that they should take up a case on the Second Amendment and whether on, on the individuals and whether, you know, th- these regulations are unconstitutional as kind of a side. That's what happened. That becomes Heller. That becomes a Scalia case, right? But it originated with Thomas first writing in 19, it's either 97 or 98. Um, you know, the lemon test that just got, you know, uh, scrapped by, uh, by the court um, in this uh, Coach Kennedy case, right? The um, religious liberty. That was, you know, Thomas has been writing on that for years. And, and of course, um, on, on Dobbs, that was Clarence Thomas. Um, you know, um, so uh, me, Mark, give me, give me one second. Let me just tell people who I'm talking to. Yeah. I'm talking to Mark Pioletta. Uh, Paoletta, who is was the he served in the White House under George H. W. Bush. He worked on Justice Clarence Thomas's uh, court confirmation first to the Court of Appeals, then to SCOTUS. Um, Mark, I can't let you go without addressing Justice Thomas's wife and the fact that now she's been in the headlines more than any oh. other spouse of a Supreme Court justice that I could ever remember yeah. being in the headlines. What 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 do you say about that? Sure. Ginny's a dear friend. She's a great patriot. The Thomases are held to a double stand, and I've written a lot on this, are there, that, that, that it finds no place in, in, in precedent or the law. There's been a number of judges whose, whose spouses have been in the public policy arena. I'll just give you two quick examples. Judge Reinhardt, remember him, wildly left, left his judge on the Ninth Circuit, uh, long-serving. His wife was the head of the ACLU, um, uh, Southern California chapter. She filed an amicus brief in a case below on Proposition 8, the, the ban on, uh, um, on same-sex marriages. In California, that case went up to Stephen Reinhardt. He sat on the Court of Appeals, right? Um, and, and, and he wrote a great opinion that Stephen Gillers from, from New York Law School defended, right? And other, I, I think, six... Give me, get, Mark, give me, one out of, give me one other example before we got to go. Oh, sure. Judge Pillard, uh, who's on D.C. Circuit, her, her, her husband is David Cole, who's the head of the ACLU, um, uh, national litigation. He actually wrote a law review article on the Mazar case 
which is the Trump taxes, Trump's challenges, releasing his taxes. And he wrote that Trump's arguments were all wet. Guess what? It went up to his case, uh, up to the D.C. Circuit. His wife sat on bonk and ruled the same way he, um, he I, advocated. So, I you know, can't imagine uh, that would be very comfortable for Justice Thomas if if his wife winds up getting subpoenaed on the, <clears throat> during these January 6th uh, uh, hearings. It just would be that would be precedent setting if, if uh, nothing else. Mark, we run out of time. I think actually you have to go because I could spend I could spend all night talking to you. Feel free to give me a buzz anytime you're in New York City. I'd love to get together. Absolutely. And if you're down, there's a good Italian restaurant right here in uh, Falls Church where I where I am. So uh, pitch, pitch get, your book uh, for me. Give, give me get, Mark, give me the book, the name of your oh, book and where people can sure. get it. Yep. Sure. It's created equal. Clarence Thomas, in his own words, it's basically a book-length interview of Justice Thomas based on 25 hours of interviews by Michael Pack, uh, which was, was came out of the movie Created Equal, which was shown on PBS. It's a fabulous read. Justice Thomas talking about his life, his amazing life, his views on things, his time, uh, uh, on issues, and then on, on the Supreme Court, he talks about cases and, and his relationship with the justices like Justice Scalia. It's a wonderful read. Well, it's, it. it's certainly topical uh, for this summer reading. Mark <laughs> Paoletta, thank you so much. We, uh, we really appreciate all of your time. Folks, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Wow, that was pretty fascinating. Um, you know what else is, you know what's fascinating? You know what's fascinating? If you're actually at your house when Rhino Shield sprays on that ceramic coating. You know, yesterday, um, our friend Lauren Conlon, who does the little entertainment report, she's like, you need to learn how to read those things better for Rhino Shield. The thing is, I'm not reading. I'm not reading anything except the phone number. I'm talking to you about real experience, about my experience. When I called Susan and I asked her to come to the house, and she came, and I, I didn't live really too close to her. She came to the house. She took photographs of the house. She put it in her computer. She showed me what my house would look like in all different colors, and it was just wonderful. Um, if you're thinking about painting your house now in the, in the fall, you got to talk to Susan first because, as I said, Rhino Shield is this, like, ceramic coating. It's not just paint. You know, There's no brushes involved. The only time I saw a guy using a brush, and this is the truth, is I have these like cedar panels and one of Susan's workers before the house was painted was literally using like a brush that looked like the size of a toothbrush cleaning in between the wood to make sure when they applied the ceramic coating, it stuck perfectly. And years later, it has. And I'm only in the very, very beginning of the 25-year transferable warranty against peeling, chipping, cracking, mold, or mildew that Susan will give give you. When was the last time you got a painter gave you a 25-year warranty? Rhino Shield lowers your energy costs. It holds the hot air in the wintertime, and it keeps the cool air in in the summertime so you don't have to play with that thermostat as much. And right now, there's no payments, no interest financing for one year. If you call her by the end of this week just to set up an appointment for a free estimate, she'll also include 20% off the price. If Only for asking for a free quote. So you're, getting, you're asking for something for free and you're getting 20% off. That's pretty good. So how do you lock in the 20% discount? You call Susan at 877-744-6608. 877-744-6608 or go to rhinoshieldofnewyork.com. Call Susan today. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Coming up tonight at 7, travel for those who have special needs. 
and how you can uh, have a little bit more encouragement on trying to get out. It's a very special edition of Travel Tuesday. Valerie Delia, Kevin McCullough, coming up tonight at 7. Don't miss it. Craving that signature Sunday sauce? Michaels of Brooklyn will make your place a must. Join Michaels of Brooklyn Sauce of the Month Club. Receive a different jar of Michaels of Brooklyn pasta sauce, homemade pasta and biscotti each month for six months. Make your home the place to be with Michaels of Brooklyn's signature fresh marinara right in your home. Visit michaelsofbrooklyn.com and order online. That's michaelsofbrooklyn.com. Michaels of Brooklyn, serving the community since 1964. Want more of AM 970 The Answer and our hosts? Then interact with us. Follow us on Twitter for breaking news, what's coming up on the radio, thoughts from our hosts, deals from our advertisers, and more. Our handle is at AM 970 The Answer. Come on, tweet with us. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. Well, I uh, I don't know if you guys found that as interesting as I did. I I mean I I want to meet this guy Mark um, because obviously he has a very special relationship with a very special person. Whether you like him or you don't like him, if you what did Scalia always say? Some I don't like I don't dislike people. I dislike ideas, and some very good people have some very bad ideas. Um, so I I just found that very 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 interesting, and he sounds like a great young person. And you know what? You should keep an open mind, and you should learn about someone. And you can still disagree with their opinions. You can still even dislike them. But before you make that decision, you should learn as much as you can about them. And that definitely holds true for Justice Clarence Thomas. Real quick, I want to tell you what happened in court today. So Brooke Schwartz, my intern, and I, David Schwartz's daughter, we show up at court uh, in the Eastern District of New York in front of Judge Nicholas Garifus, who is a very well-known, well-respected judge. And uh, he's one of these judges who he's very serious, um, but he takes the, ju- the bench without a, without a robe, which I think I kind of admire. Judge uh, Weinstein, who was also in that courthouse, the Eastern District of New York, he would take the bench without a robe, but he wouldn't even take the bench. He would sit at a de- desk right on the, the same level as everyone else. Um, and uh, my client, Anthony, his family and friends were there. I would say probably close to a dozen people. Uh, and then on the other side of the room, the U.S. Attorney's Office has all of their interns show up. And the assistant U.S. Attorney, who's a really very nice man, and some a woman from the Department of Probation. And, you know, I, I explained yesterday, when you plead guilty in federal court, you have an idea of where you're, the range of your sentencing, but you don't know what it actually is until it comes out of the judge's mouth. And... Um, we disposed with some of the formalities rather quickly. The judge uh, ba- allowed us to take our masks off when we spoke, which was very, very nice because I can't stand speaking with a mask on. Um, and uh, 
Let's see who went first. First, the prosecutor went, and initially he came off a little heavy-handed, but then he kind of turned the corner and talked about all the good things that my client has had done. Uh, he did that while he was seated at the table across the room. Uh, I had an opportunity to speak. I stood. I took my mask off, and I spoke not long, and I made it clear to the judge why I wasn't speaking long. It was based on the judge's himself, his experience, and the submission, uh, the written submission by Michael Jacarino, my partner, who did an uh, unbelievable job with the written submission. Um, I think I did a pretty decent job, and then my client stood, and he read uh, words that he wrote himself, and I made sure the judge understood he, that they were heartfelt words that he wrote himself. I didn't change one word. And then the judge asks him to stand, and I stand next to him, and the judge made some remarks about what took place and the crime, and it had to do with money and taxes, and that there was, you know, the, the real victim here were the, the citizens who aren't getting the tax revenue, and he uh, uh, then is like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to sentence you, and whether you... How many times you've done this, it doesn't matter. Your heart is pounding through your chest. And the judge said, I hereby sentence you to two years probation. And I looked in the back of the room. Oh, his mother's crying. His wife is crying. One of his buddies pumps his fist up in the air um, with happiness and relief. And um, the judge wished him the best of life. And, and, of course, he has to pay back back taxes, which he already started doing today in the courtroom. Um so it was nice to walk out of a courtroom in federal court where your client is not going to jail and he's going home to be with his family and actually to start a family. He just got married and they're looking to, uh, to, to begin a family. So it was a very nice day in the Eastern District of New York. Uh, Miss Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein's former girlfriend, lover, she didn't have such a great day. She got sentenced to 20 years, but the, that, which is what the Department of Probation recommended. Uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office wanted 30 years. Uh, Mayor Adams and Mayor Giuliani seem to be going at it, which is a colossal waste of time. Um, I don't know. I think these mayors should stop fighting with each other and start helping each other. I don't know. Maybe I didn't Clinton and H.W. Bush come together for Hurricane Katrina to try to, like, do the right thing. Um, I think Rudy should try be trying to help Adams, which he doesn't really he hasn't really done. I think Adams should be respectful and try to. I don't know. I don't ask me. I want to go back to talking about Supreme Court of the United States. I'm going to uh, have dinner with my dad. Happy birthday! Maybe we'll see Joni along the way. Happy birthday and happy anniversary to Lori Call. See you guys in a minute. Ciao. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. Relief factor. Pain relief that works, pain relief that's real, pain relief that is liberating tens of thousands of Americans from their daily pain, me included. But not just me, it's people like Leah from Ohio. This is Leah's story. One Sunday morning, I sat on my couch in so much pain I was in tears. That's the day I ordered Relief Factor. Following directions in eight days, I found relief only to get better and better. I am a believer 100%. That should be you. That 
could be you. Find out today by, by ordering the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do. And I promise you, by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you like it works for me, Leah, and thousands of your fellow Americans. Don't wait any longer. You deserve to know. It just makes sense. What have you got to lose... Accept the pain. Call today, 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. You deserve to know if you could be the next success story like Leah. 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Bluestar medicated ointment works fast to relieve the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. It's amazing. It's like as soon as you put it on, you can feel it working. We've had Blue Star in the family for years. It works on everything. I love the cooling sensation on my athlete's foot. What a relief for my eczema. Nothing worked on my dry, cracked skin until I tried Blue Star. Blue Star is great for scalp itch. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. Dad, why do your toenails look like that? Hey, it's James. And if you're like me and suffer from toenail fungus, please pay close attention. Let's face it, toe fungus is embarrassing. I was afraid to take my socks off and hid my ugly toes from everybody. But nail fungus isn't just a cosmetic problem. It can also be dangerous. Even a small spot can spread and get worse. But no matter what I tried, it seemed like my fungus would never go away. Then I discovered Crystal Flush, the new and different FDA-registered at-home treatment. This unique two-step system flushes out fungus at its source and reverses damaged nails. Finally, me and thousands of others are free from fungus, and you can be too. Call now, and for a limited time, you can try Crystal Flush risk-free for 30 days. Call 800-354-1862. That's 800-354-1862. Eliminate your toe fungus once and for all, guaranteed. Call now, 800-354-1862, or visit crystalflush.com. Kevin McCullough is next on AM970, The Answer. Mail call! Hey, Bialystok, you got a postcard. A postcard? From where? Brazil. Brazil? Who do I know in Brazil? Dear Max, Rio is everything you said it was and more. Ula and I think of you every chance we get. In the morning when we have breakfast on our terrace, many different herrings. And in the evening when we somber together in the moonlight. Sorry, must run. Ula's waiting. It's almost 11. Wish you were here, Leo. Just like Cain and Abel, you pulled a sneak attack. I thought that we were brothers. Then you stabbed me in the back. Betrayed. From the producers. Oh, boy, I'm so Mel betrayed. Brooks. Happy birthday, Mel Brooks. I believe he's 96. Is that correct, uh... That is correct. 96 today. 96 years old. Now, what I did not know, everyone knows how funny Mel Brooks is. By the way, I apologize, folks. I lost track of time. I got so caught up with the SCOTUS guy that I thought, like, we were done. <laughs> I actually said bye, Sam Maloney. He goes, Sam Bellino. He goes, where are you going? He's like, you got one more segment. I was going to finish the show I- without you. You could have, bro. Hey, listen, you have the talent to do so. But um, I didn't know that Mel Brooks is an EGOT. You know what an EGOT is, right? Sambolino? It's uh, Emmy, Golden Grammy. Globe, Oscars, Grammy. No, no, no. Winner. Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Oh, okay. Gold, they eschewed the Golden Globes. So he won the Academy Award in 1968 for Best Writing for the Producers, which you just played. 
Uh, he got a prime time Emmy for outstanding writing achievement in Variety, uh, the Sid Caesar Show. Um, in 1997, Outstanding Guest Actor in a Comedy Series, he won an Emmy for, for Mad About You. Didn't know that. Apparently, he was in. He got 97, 98, and 99. He got Emmys for Mad About You. And then he won a Grammy for Best Spoken Comedy Album in 1998 to 2,000-Year-Old Man in the year 2000. Uh, okay. And then in 2001... He won a Tony for Best Musical, The Producers, which you just heard. He also run, wrote, won Best Book of a Musical, The Producers, and Best Original Score, The Producers. So, you know, we all think of Mel Brooks for, um, is it Blazing Saddles, I believe? Yes. Right. And, um, you know, talented people come from a great city known as... Brooklyn! There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Sam Bellino. So, happy birthday to Mel Brooks. Uh, I'm glad he's doing well at that age. And, you know, I looked at the, the list of EGOTs and, um, you know, it's it's a lot of people you wouldn't hear of. I like, OK, Mar- Marvin Hamlish and Audrey Hepburn, uh, Rita Moreno. Those are names you wouldn't know. Scott Rudin, Robert Lopez, Tim Rice, Alan Menken. Not exactly household names. The household names most recently is Jennifer Hudson. She's an American Idol winner. John Legend. Andrew Lloyd Webber, Whoopi Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg, hold on, what'd she get them for? Academy Award for Best Reporting Actress in Ghost, Daytime Emmy Award uh, for Special Class Selection, well, actually, let's just go to 2009, Outstanding Talk Show Host of The View, Grammy Award, 86, 1986, for Best Comedy Album, Whoopi Goldberg, Original Broadway Show, and uh, she won a Tony in 2002 for Thoroughly Modern Millie. I know that uh, Lin-Manuel and Miranda just missed it. I think he, did he need to get an Emmy? I forget what he just needed something that he didn't get um, to, to get on this list. I hope he does get on this list. Well, now I think I am correct to say it is the end of the show. You see, that's why everyone makes mistakes. Big Bird sings the song and I sing it to my children. Everyone makes mistakes and so do you. Um, well, so do I. So... Now I will sign off. I will head out. I'm leaving my desk. I'm walking up the block to the Lambs Club, and I'm going to celebrate a little birthday and anniversary. So thanks, folks. We'll be back tomorrow, live and local. Have a good one. The preceding program, sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>